Welcome to Forward Progress presented by Betfred Sportsbook here on the Hammer Betting Network. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Ohio, or Pennsylvania, be sure to check out Betfred Sportsbook. I often preach the value of line shopping. I think that's extremely important. Betfred is a sportsbook where you'll often find the best price in market. So make sure that it is part of your sportsbook portfolio if you are in one of those states. And thank you very much for to Betfred uh, for supporting the Hammer Betting Network and for the sponsorship. On today's show, we're talking Championship Sunday. Eagles Niners, Chiefs Bengals, obviously a lot of talking points. We will get to all of that. I will be joined by Joe Osborne. He's the host of Chasing That Paper with Vegas Insider. He's the host of Teaser Time right here on the Forward Progress channel. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports will join me. You know him from the Hammer HQ YouTube channel where he joined me throughout the course of the regular season for Monday Night Football. And Fabian Sommer, Suma, will hop up and in as well. Professional NFL better based in Germany. We're going to break down all the games. If you're watching on YouTube, I do see your comments in real time. Please join the conversation. I'll get to as many comments as I can today. If you have any questions for our guests, I will get to those as well. Uh, so definitely be part of the show today. Interact. Um, it's of immense value for us. And again, if you do find value in this show, please hit that subscribe button on the Forward Progress YouTube channel here. You can get notifications whenever we go live. At the very least, if you like the content, hit that thumbs up button. Like the content. Extremely important for us as well. And as Breadman Burning says, one more subscriber to 800. Let's get us to 800 today, people. Let's get us higher than that if we can. Let's get us higher than that if we can. Uh, just really want to quickly check in on the market, and then I'll bring in Joe Osborne here of Vegas Insider to break down these Championship Sunday games. Uh, a bit of market movement yesterday, and for those wondering why, so Kansas City got out to a two and a half point underdog in market yesterday. Bengals were minus two and a half on the road. There was a release by Right Angle Sports yesterday afternoon on the Kansas City Chiefs at plus two and a half, which drove the market all the way back down. So if you're wondering why we've seen so much money on the Chiefs in the past day, there was a release by a prominent sports betting group that does have market influence. The Eagles and 49ers, this number is kind of held where it's been. Uh, for the majority of the week at two and a half at Bet Fred right now, minus two and a half, minus 115. Uh, more likely to go to three from the looks of things that the way the game is juiced than to go back down uh, in any direction. And that makes sense. Although I don't think a three would hang around for far too long if we did get there at some point in the week. So you might want to set some notifications for line alerts uh, on that one uh, as well. But without further ado, he is the host of Chasing That Paper. On Vegas Insider, he's the host of Teaser Time here on Forward Progress. Joe Osborne jumps up in it. What's up, Joe? What is up, Rob? It's good to finally be on with you. How you doing? Uh, good. I was uh, I was checking out the Vegas Insider YouTube channel, uh, and I saw you do the 49ers-Eagles preview with that NWO shirt on. And I, I mean, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't ask you about the Degeneration X, um, like, thing that just happened on raw like the get together i don't know if you saw any of that this week i did i don't sit down and watch wrestling like i used to i was a hardcore fan back in the day as you recall uh monday night raw used to be on tsn i would record <laughs> it on vhs and watch it then i'd watch monday night nitro the next day after school 
when I got home. But I made it a point. I said, okay, they're doing the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. I'm going to sit down and, uh, you know, check out some of the segments. And I saw they did the thing with uh, with DX. I thought it was all right. I thought it was kind of funny, I guess. It was, it was cool. I mean, Kurt Angle being there, I thought, like, I, I don't know. It just like it was a throwback to my past. I don't watch wrestling anymore as yeah. well. But I grew up, like, the, the, the formation of the NWO was like a life-changing moment for me. Like it, it affected my youth more than anything else. I was, I was rocked those NWO shirts. I was, uh, I was big into the spray paint cans at that time as well because of the NWO. So I was just, I was just curious, but I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it, it's not the same as it used to be. They don't have the guys who can cut promos like they used to, you know, the, the entertainment value is not, not even half as good. The wrestling itself is probably a lot better. I guess that's not what draws me. And I transitioned from being a hardcore WWE or WWF fan over to a hardcore UFC fan. But I'll still watch. Of course, the big Royal Rumble is going down on uh, Saturday night. So the Rumble and WrestleMania, I always uh, make it a point to check those out. So one of my favorite betting events of the year is the Royal Rumble. Not because I bet it at sportsbooks or anything, but me and my friends will uh, auction off the slots yeah. number one to 30. Um, and then obviously if you pick the, 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 ent- the entrant at that right slot, you win the entire pot and you see some like crazy bidding going on in these, but like typically you got want the guys right at the beginning or the guys right at the end. And those slots go for some serious money. So it's, it's actually one of my favorite events of the year. Yeah. I draw numbers with guys too. And it's always funny. Like, you know, like, uh, you get one of the big names. That's fantastic. A Seth Rollins runs up, but then you have like number 16 and Doink the clown <laughs> runs out or something, you know, you got no chance whatsoever, but the height of degenerate betting, Rob, it involves the Royal Rumble, do a Royal Rumble video game. You draw numbers with your friends, you get together, you're all drinking, you sit back and you watch a video game, Royal Rumble. And uh, winner take all. It is. It sounds ridiculous, but it is a lot, a lot of fun. That's that's next level. That's like uh, that. I was doing that kind of stuff during COVID. Like when COVID first hit. Yeah. Sports betting, like all these sports were gone, and I can bet on basically like chess and a few like I don't know European ping pong and stuff like that. Then I started really getting into like uh, okay, I'm going to bet on these simulations of games, right? Madden and FIFA. I didn't go all the way back to like Sega Genesis, Royal Rumble, or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. That would have been that would have been fun. That would have been yeah. Fun. I did that with NBA 2K. Actually, I'm happy those days are behind us. <laughs> so am I. It's good to be able to talk real sports. And I, I mean, I'm very excited for Championship Sunday. Um, I was, you know, after Saturday last week, the remaining six teams. I was basically like, I could deal with the Super Bowl of any of these six teams. I think we'll get a good Super Bowl regardless. But you see some very tight spreads this week. Um, let's start with Philadelphia and San Fran. Yeah, And I think, you know, there's been a criticism of Philadelphia this year that they really haven't played anyone. And that was kind of the criticism of them going into the playoffs last year when they got smoked by the Bucks. I think if you look at their schedule top to bottom, they played the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. Second time they played the Cowboys, Jalen Hurts was injured. If you're looking for the marquee win on the Eagles' schedule, it's probably week one against the Lions or week two against the Vikings. Now... That's more of a commentary, I think, on the entire state of the NFL in that there wasn't that many great teams. But I think a lot of people are hung up on that, and they're yeah. not really hung up on the 49ers with Purdy 
kind of having an easy route as well down the stretch. Curious how you break this one down, Joe, 49ers and Eagles. Yeah, I look at that angle quite a bit too, you know, strength of schedule. I find sometimes we we punish a team because they played an easy schedule. You know, it's not their fault that they had an easy schedule up against them. I do think it sometimes will come back to hurt them when things get tough and they have to face adversity in the playoffs. Look at uh, another sport, Gonzaga basketball. Every okay. single season, you know, they have a very easy a cakewalk to March Madness, and then they lose as soon as the competition gets a little tougher. So, yeah, there are some concerns that uh, the Eagles haven't faced a lot of adversity this season. Uh, I guess maybe the one game to point out would be the Colts game, where they should have easily won. They were down for about 95% of that game and ended up winning at the end. But, yeah, the 49ers played a really easy schedule, too. Uh, you know, you take a lot of, like, Cardinals backups, uh, Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield. Uh, we know the situation – with the Rams this season. But yeah, I don't love the bet, but I do like the Eagles to cover this spread of uh, minus two and a half for a couple different reasons. First of all, we'll take a look at uh, Brock Purdy. He finally went up against a pretty tough defense in the Dallas Cowboys last week. And he finally looked ordinary. You know, maybe this guy is the next Tom Brady. I hope he isn't because if they advance to the Super Bowl, we're only going to hear about that. It's going to be shoved down our throat for two straight weeks. Right, But he finally looked ordinary against a, a pretty tough defense. Now the stakes get even higher, and this is going to be the most uncomfortable game he'll play in up until this point of his career, you know, going on the road. Uh, we know about the Eagles fans, if you want to bring that into it. But the Eagles defense, they led the NFL in sacks by a wide margin, also number one in the NFL in uh, yards allowed per pass attempt. So I don't think Purdy's going to light it up. I could see uh, San Francisco with going with a very conservative conservative game plan in this one. And then we take a look at that 49ers defense who's had it really easy. They haven't faced a good offense probably. Well, Dallas is pretty good, but you go back even further, uh, the Miami Dolphins, they had, they did have success in that game. And yeah, the Eagles have had a pretty easy schedule as well, but two key areas for the 49ers where they were very average this season, despite facing Pretty bad competition. Uh, they were 15th in opponent third down conversion percentage and 18th in opponent red zone touchdown conversion percentage. You might say, well, that's not bad. But it's not great when you consider that they were playing against bad competition for a lot of the season. You take a look at the Eagles offense. They thrive in those two clutch areas, top three in the NFL in each of those spots. And then the game situation here, I think, is, is pretty good for the Eagles. An additional day of rest. And I think they lost a lot of momentum down the stretch of the regular season, right? Mainly due to injuries that didn't look so good. And they really needed that bye. And they took full advantage of it. And they beat the living shit out of the Giants, didn't they? So I think they got their mojo back a little bit. They looked a lot like the team that was dominating throughout the regular season. So I like them. My favorite prop to the game, I like this one quite a bit. I like Brock Purdy under 31 and a half pass attempts. Now, he only went over that number twice this season. Oddly enough, one of those games was the Dolphins game, his first appearance of the season where he didn't even start. That game in the shootout versus the Raiders. And like I said, this is going to be the most uncomfortable he'll be in any game in his entire career up until this point of the season. So I think Shanahan's going to go with the conservative game plan here up against a team that has the most sacks in the NFL by a wide margin. What's the uh, weakness of this Eagles defense? It's the run, right? They're not bad. They're not horrible, but they're certainly not great. Um, 
so yeah, I think 49ers are going to try to run the ball a lot, control the clock. And it is worth noting, he only had 10 pass attempts in the second half versus the Cowboys there last week. So maybe some trust issues there. So I do think if it is a tight game, he's not going to be throwing a lot. They're going to be running the football a lot. So the danger in that one is if the Eagles go up by a couple scores, they're going to have to throw more. But I think everything points to uh, Brock Purdy not being overly involved from a passing perspective in this one. Yeah, for sure. You could get a game state where the Eagles are up by a bunch and then you kind of throw that out the window. But the spread is telling us it's very likely going to be a close game with a spread of two and a half. And I agree with you. I, I think Kyle Shanahan has been a coach over the, the course of his entire coaching career that has played a little bit more conservatively, especially when he has a good defense, trust the defense, field position game. The punts from midfield on fourth and one come to mind a lot with Shanahan. So I could definitely see them trying to establish the run in this game rather than coming out and throwing the ball. Um, the one thing that, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, I watched the Cowboys 49ers live on air on Hammer HQ last week, and I wasn't really impressed with the 49ers offense. It's really the first test against a, a good pass rushing team. And if you look at the Eagles this year, they have the second highest pressure rate in the league without blitzing during the regular season. I think that we might see another similar performance from Purdy this week if they ask him to throw a lot. Just heavy pressure, not really knowing what to do. This time they'll be on the road instead of at home, which I think makes a difference as well. Yeah, and it's a lot to ask for Purdy to come out in this game and light it up. And, you know, good for him. He's been fantastic up until this point. You know, I, he didn't play bad in the Dallas game. I wouldn't say he hit a wall in that game, but he, he looked ordinary, right? So I, I think uh, Shanahan's absolutely going to try to take the pressure off the kid a little bit here. Okay, second game, Chiefs and Bengals. This one's a little bit more challenging because... Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. We have seen people, uh, at least I've gotten some messages today, about the Mahomes injury not being as significant as it originally appeared. We did see the Kansas City money yesterday. For me, I mean, I don't like to get involved in games where there's this much uncertainty. And mm -hmm. I think that this has a ton of uncertainty. Like, yeah. you know, so much of what Patrick Mahomes, like he's a great quarterback. He's a great pocket passer. He can do a lot of things well, but he's that next level elite quarterback because of the scrambling ability and the improv improvisational yeah. ability as well. So Bengals laying one on the road at the Chiefs, minus 120 on the money line, total 47. Anything that catches your eye in this game, Joe? Yeah, I'll be sticking the props on this one. I have no interest, <laughs> no interest in betting the side here. It, it's a total guessing game. You know, uh, the the ability of the most talented player in the sport is in question. Uh, so no interest on the side. Now, I could see some people arguing, uh, hey, maybe it's a bit of an overreaction. It's kind of funny that the we saw quite a bit of line movement in the Bengals-Bills game, and a lot of that was based on people reacting to the injuries along the Bengals offensive line. Now that didn't seem to matter. The bills weren't able to take advantage of that. Now it's kind of funny that, you know, the dialogue around this game, it's all around Patrick Mahomes and people are kind of just sweeping that offensive line of the, the Bengals under the rug a little bit here. The chiefs have a much better pass rush than the Buffalo bills do. So I would argue they might be able to exploit that a little bit, but ultimately we're not going to know about Patrick Mahomes until we see him step on the field on Sunday. Kansas City's not going to come out and say, yeah, he's 100%. You know, he's good to go. And they're not going to come out and say, ah, yeah, we're, we're quite worried about him in this situation. Maybe it's nothing. Uh, if it is, hey, they're better off playing coy 
with it, right? And because uh, they want the Bengals to be guessing as well. But two spots that I like quite a bit from a prop betting perspective, I like Joe Mixon, over 23 and a half receiving yards. I think that's a pretty good bargain on that. That's eight yards shy of his per game average during the regular season, actually. We saw him top 23 and a half receiving yards in nine of 14 games. Pretty interesting. The Chiefs allowed the fourth most receiving yards to running backs this season. And I think there could be a need to get the ball out early here for the Bengals. Like we know that offensive line is all beat the shit. The Chiefs have a pretty good pass rush. So I think they might be looking to uh, get him involved in the pass game more, maybe some dump off. So I like him to go over 23 and a half receiving yards. For what it's worth, he didn't play in the game against him this season. But last season, he topped that number in both games, 27 and 40 yep. in the playoff game. And another one here. Sometimes people talk themselves out of a bet because they they'll look at it and say, oh, that's that's a square play, so I'm not going to bet it. But it yeah. keeps hitting over and over and over <laughs> again. And the bet I'm talking about here, Rob, is the Travis Kelsey over on his receiving yards. It's 76 and a half yards. Don't overthink this one at all, guys. Um, they lean on their best players in the biggest games of the season. It kind of makes sense. And you take a look at his receiving yard totals in his last seven playoff games, 98, 95, 96, 108, 133, 118, 109. So it doesn't matter who the opponent is, whether it's a good defense, a bad defense, uh, they find a way to get this guy involved. And the Bengals, by the way, not great versus uh, opposing tight ends this season, 24th most receiving yards allowed to tight ends. So I think Kelsey is going to be heavily involved in this one over 76 and a half receiving yards. Like I said, it seems like a square bet and I get in trouble myself. Sometimes I'll look at that. And I'll say, it seems too easy. Maybe there's something to that. And you back off a little bit, but I'm not backing off that one. I like that quite a bit. I don't mind being on the square side. If it's the winning side, I don't, it doesn't Absolutely. matter to me. I mean, I, I, I totally dismiss what other people are saying on the game or telling me all the, you know, 80% of the bets are this way or whatever. At the end of the day, then, you know, What's the point of even handicapping the games at that point, right? I mean, well, that's what happened. The, the Bengals, everyone looked at that line last week and they said, oh, that's a trap line and a square dog and all the terms coming out. And uh, I call those reverse trap lines. People get trapped by thinking it's a trap, right? It's so sharp that it's dull, is what I like to say. It's go, uh, the, yeah. the, the bills were so sharp that it was actually dull. Like not not a single person could convince themselves that maybe the the Bengals O line might hold up in this game, or that you know you you need Joe Burrow to lose by a touchdown to lose your bet. How is that not an appealing bet or something that you would literally auto bet every single time? Um, but yeah, sometimes we just look at the lines and we try to convince ourselves of of certain things that just aren't there. Um, before I get you out of here, Joe, you're the host of Teaser Time. The yes. one teaser leg that a lot of people are talking about now is where the lines are, is the 49ers, getting yep. them up to eight and a half because you go through three, you go through seven. Um, expectation is that it's going to be a close game. Just out of curiosity, I know you like the Eagles in the game. If you were playing teasers this week, would for the 49ers plus eight and a half be something that you throw into a teaser? Yeah, absolutely. I do think that is appealing. I like the Eagles to cover, um, but that said, I, I don't think they're absolutely going to run away with this game by any means. I think San Francisco is going to have some success on the ground. I think they're going to be able to control the clock here as well. So, yeah, I, I like San Francisco. I know the Chiefs are down to uh, plus one at a lot of books right now. If you can get them outside of seven, the all underdog teaser, not a bad look at all. Yep. 
agree with that. I think that's the way a lot of people are playing it. Maybe might be waiting for a little bit more Bengals money, one and a half, then you can get the seven and a half instead. But I definitely think that's going to be a popular one. And I don't really have, you know, major argument against that one. How do you feel about uh, Joe, Joe Burrow? I find that he's in a situation, they do this with athletes all the time. They build these guys up so much that people start to dislike them a little bit and maybe i'm weird about this but we're getting it's being shoved in our face how cool joe burrow is like after the game against the bills it's like look at him wearing these seinfeld jogging pants like this is awesome like can we come down he's a cool dude like let's pump the brakes a little bit here it's there's actually like a Twitter account devoted to um, posting pictures of him in like his sunglasses now as well when he arrives at the game. He's a cool dude. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I agree. I, I mean, the, the the issue for me, Joe, is now the comparisons of Joe Burrow to Tom Brady, which I hate Tom Brady. I've, I, I rooted against the pay, like not as a person, but. I hate in sports where there's when there's this like a one team or one player that's so dominant for such a long time that I, I just want to root against them. And I like Joe Burrow. He's been very good to me from a betting perspective. But the minute you compare someone to Tom Brady, like the Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow comparisons to Brady make me not want to like those players anymore, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you pull back and you take a look at uh, the LeBron Jordan stuff. I think that's a lot of what turned people against LeBron, right? Comparing him to Jordan. So if uh, if Burrow keeps winning, uh, he might be in trouble. (laughs) Yep, completely agree. Joe Osborne, you can follow him on Twitter, his account right up on the screen there. You can also check out his show, Chasing That Paper, with Vegas Insider on the Vegas Insider YouTube channel every single weekday. Joe, thank you very much. All the best. Good luck with your bets this week. Awesome, Rod. Thanks for having me on. Good luck with your bets and good luck to all the viewers as well. Perfect. It's Joe Osborne. Check out his stuff, for real. Vegas Insider. uh, Producing very good content there. And again, the host of Teaser Time here on Forward Progress. From one guest to another, I don't think Joe Osborne had a doctorate, but this guy does. Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, steps up and in. Eric, how are things going? Rob, I'm good. I actually uh, just got my tickets for uh, the game in uh, in Arrowhead uh, on Sunday, so that'll be fun. Um, man, uh, this one's gonna be this one's gonna be interesting for sure. So before we get into it, then what the people really need to know, maybe the rest of this interview is completely irrelevant. But what is Eric Eager's record when going to Arrowhead to watch the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I I, did, I tweeted this out there. I've I've been to 10 Chiefs games in my life. They've been favored in all of them. They are 0-5 against the spread the last five games I've gone, and 1-4 and uh, straight up. Uh, the last game I did go to, we broke uh, the winless streak uh, when they beat the Broncos by three, but they, as you know, they were favored by uh, double digits almost in that game. Uh, so, yeah, this one's interesting. I've been to all three of the Bengals' losses uh, over the last two years. Uh, so I... I uh, when I when I went to my guy with the Chiefs and I, I asked for tickets, I was like, hey, do you believe in curses? And he goes, no, I'm like, good. Well, <laughs> I mean, the chat does because someone's burning their Chiefs two and a half tickets right now. <laughs> um, let, let's start with that game and the handicap of that game. So I find this fascinating because there's only two games this weekend and everyone wants to bet Championship Sunday. Right. So I feel like a lot of people are talking themselves into a side on this game where if this was just a regular Sunday in the NFL season, nobody would be interested in 
trying to bet a game where you have no idea what the status of the best quarterback in the league is. But here we are now with all sorts of different reports, right? Uh, Mahomes will be in crutches until Friday. Mahomes' injury is not as significant as it was originally reported. And like, it's so, it's so difficult to uncover like the truth from all of this. What I know, and typically like, I'm not a doctor, you know, I, I've never had a high ankle sprain in my life or anything like that, but I follow all the Twitter doctors who typically say it's a four to six week recovery, probably get a lot of inflammation in week one. It'd be the hardest to play after one week of sustaining this injury. Um, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm not going to end up betting the Bengals, but I feel like I'm going to watch three plays of this game and be like, why Why did I not bet on the Bengals? Like, we're talking about a high... Ryan Tannehill had to go on IR. Every single time we've seen a high ankle sprain and a quarterback try to play with it, um, it hasn't worked out well. Daniel Jones was reported with a high ankle sprain earlier this year, but I think it was just a regular ankle sprain. You go back to, like, 2010, Ben Roethlisberger played the week after a high ankle sprain. He threw four interceptions against the 49ers. They lost 20-3. to Curious your breakdown of this game if you think that there's anything to even do here. Um, and honestly, just want your opinion on like how you feel as a Chiefs fan going into it. Yeah, I, so I have, you know, this people, this this means close to zero, but I have had two high ankle sprains before and one took a week to recover and one took a month to recover. So like it, the variability just even, um, and, you know, it, it is hard to gauge. Um, I think the fact that he went back into the game and there wasn't like a tibia fracture. Like per, personally, I felt like he kept playing because he was worried that his leg was broken. And if they went into the locker room, they would discover that, and then he'd never get to play again. So um, that that's where I uh, you know. So I'm, I'm comforted by that, but it is not a great injury. It's a better injury for quarterbacks than anybody else. Um, but it's worse to be the right footed one than the left-footed one if you're a right-handed quarterback as we saw a few times he had a hard time planting that you know planting and throwing uh in the second half even the the one of the throws that picked up a first down in the fourth quarter Kadarius Tony on a swing pass he had to like lob it because he didn't have any he didn't really have any uh uh you know place to plant off of so it's going to be tricky I would say though um you know, we saw some glimpses as to why there's some positivity on the Chiefs side, in my opinion. Right? Um, Andy Reid, you know, we're talking about a guy that took an Alex Smith quarterback team to 11 wins, 9 wins, uh, 11 wins, and 12 wins, and 10 wins over the five years that he was the coach uh, of the Chiefs with Alex Smith at quarterback. And you saw, like, when he knows that there's limitations at that position, he's really good, right? And so... Um, you know, I, t I think you take that. I think you take the fact that the Bengals were amazing on su on Sunday, but prior to that, they had started to peter off. And I I've said this on our shows together. Like I, th I felt like they were the best team in the AFC for much of the last two months, but there was a an aspect of running out of gas that could happen, right? There's an aspect of, you know, what we saw last season with the Chiefs and like they, they, they play super hard against Buffalo and then they try to knock the Bengals out in the first, first half of last year's game. And then they run out of gas. So I think that they're those are somewhat narrative driven, but there's a lot to like the fact that your your people who are buying the Bengals right now are buying them expensively because of the Mahomes injury that we we are uncertain of, and they're buying them expensively based upon the fact that they were very very good last week as a six point underdog in Buffalo. So my take on this game is that 
I wish Mahomes was just healthy, completely healthy, and I could bet the Bengals at a Mahomes healthy price because I think the Bengals are not a great matchup for the Chiefs in the sense that, okay, forget about the, the recent meetings with them, but the Bengals have switched up their game plans in all of those meetings as well. Um, you look at when they played this year relative to last year, the amount of times that they blitzed versus didn't. It, they're, they're, they seem to have their pulse on making the Kansas City Chiefs guess. But a couple of things in this particular matchup. One is that Joe Burrow throws the ball very quickly. And the Chiefs have struggled against quarterbacks who throw the ball very quickly. If you look at Kansas City's defense, they're 21st in EPA per opponent dropback when the opposing quarterback gets rid of the ball in two and a half seconds or less. Part of that is they don't tackle supremely well, but this is what worked for the, the Bengals last week. Now, the O-line is still an issue, obviously, but the fact that Burrow is able to get the ball out of his hands quickly mitigates a lot of that. And I think you put a, a different quarterback in the league behind this O-line, and it, it ain't going to end well for them. But they've they figured that out as the year has gone on, how, to, how to, to deal with that. I think that's one factor. The second is, if we're talking about Mahomes, his ankle injury limiting him or impacting him, maybe he can throw the ball still. But he's very unlikely going to be able to scramble and, and have like the movement that he's had over the course of this season, last his entire career. And you look at this year, when Mahomes has been pressured, when he's had a drop back that's been pressured, He's been sacked just 11% of the time. That's the lowest pressure to sack rate in the entire league. That's one thing that his legs give him. Like, he's still a great quarterback without the ability to scramble. He'll make the throws. He can manipulate the angles with his arm. But now that pressure that other teams have been getting turns into sacks. just makes it so much more difficult. So I personally, again, I, I'm not going to bet this game because I don't, I don't want to be that that guy who who has the Bengals ticket and then Mahomes comes out on the first drive and it's like everything is good. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to take that chance. But I feel the Bengals are a bad matchup generally for the Chiefs. Yeah, and they, it, you brought up such a great point, which is that they switch things up, right? So um, in, in last year's matchups, the Chiefs tried to run a lot of man coverage with Charvarius Ward and and Legereus Sneed and that. And the Bengals absolutely roasted them. And then in the, in the matchup in December this year, they ran a lot of zone. And Burrow was something like 14 of 16 against the zone. Um, Samaje Pirine was really good in that game, just picking up, as you said, the yardage. You know, the Chiefs, I felt, really tackled well against the Jaguars, especially in the passing game the other day. Um, but for the most part, like, they're a young team that is fast and faster than they were last year, which I think is a positive. But they're still not necessarily a great tackling team. Um, and so that those yards that P Ryan and Mixon could get, I mean, I thought the most impressive part about the Bengals on Sunday was, you know, they, every time they caught the ball, did you notice that they just went upfield every time they didn't like shake and like every single time it was like, we're going to get the median number of yards for a play like this. And in fact, because the, the, the Buffalo bills are kind of soft defensively, they got a lot more generally than expected on all of those yak plays. And I think against the chiefs, you're going to probably, they're going to probably want to do the same thing, especially if there's weather and arrowhead on Sunday, which there appears to be uh forecast of. So I would say the the positives on the on the side of the Chiefs are, you know, we've seen this kind of song and dance a little bit before where Kansas City went 14 and 2 in 2020 with 60% of their offensive line out. And every single time, so you know, the, there was a tweet I sent the other day that was like the great teams spend the regular season working through their weaknesses. And I think about the Chiefs playing four rookie defensive backs all year and the Bengals working through all their offensive problems. 
And then the, the, the not so great teams spend the whole regular season hiding them. And then they get exposed in the playoffs. And the, the issue is, is this is a new weakness for the Bengals, right? So they spend one week hiding it, right? And, and Steve Spagnuolo now has film and an extra day to prepare. Like all the spot related stuff is purely Kansas City, right? Like seven days rest, home, one week off more than the Bengals. The Bengals having two weeks uh, you know, uh, of Ravens games that weren't all that impressive for them. And then a great game there, you know, all that stuff is, is chiefs related. The one thing that spags, you know, if, if you're looking at this game and, and you're going to bet the chiefs, which I, I certainly, this is what I'm betting on. If I'm betting on the chiefs is Andy Reed coaching the game of his life, right? Having, knowing the limitations a priori and just, you know, dialing it up much like he dialed up a drive with Chad Henney, that, that this is one drive, not indicative of anything. Um, and Steve Spagnola looking at how the Bengals operated with, a down offensive line the last two weeks and trying to find the holes in what they're doing to try to mitigate that. To your point, it could just be, okay, he's just going to get rid of the ball quickly and you have to win if you're the Chiefs in under two and a half seconds in the secondary, and that's impossible, in which case they're screwed. But if if they can find a way to, uh, you know, sort of confuse them on the offensive front, then they have a chance. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's all valid. This is just, this to me is like the uncertainty game of the millennium here where it can the range is, is so wide on what could end up happening here, which is also one of the reasons why like a lot of people are teasing this game. And I'm like, why? How? I guess because there's no other options this week, right? You could, you want to find someone to pair with the 49ers. You're going to pick something in this game. Um, and in this case, the underdog teased up. But like, this is the exact type of game that I would never want to tease, where you just have like all this possible variance. You have no idea what you're getting out of Mahomes. How can you say that you know, the closing line or the, the market number right now is truly reflective of anywhere close to the actual probability of the game. I don't know. So that's like, that to me is one of the most bizarre things about this weekend is like the amount of teasers I've seen. Granted, some people teased the, the, the Bengals early and got a very good price on that. But even then, if Mahomes ends up being typical Mahomes, you really didn't end up getting a great price on that Bengals teaser. Well, that, that was interesting because I have a I have a friend who had a and this is kind of you know we were talking about how do we fill twenty minutes with with two games. It's like I have a buddy who um who had a fourteen to one Bengals Niners Super Bowl matchup uh, future, and they're like, well, how do I hedge this? And I'm like, well, you know, it's tough because you want to do the rollover probably you bet Philly, and then you take that money, and if you win, cool, you're done, and if you lose, then you just you know you you do the calculation on Kansas City. The one, the one interesting part about that, though, is usually that's fine. Usually that's better, right? Because you have the freedom to sort of like decide what to do in that second game. This Bengals Chiefs game is is different, though, in the sense that maybe you know maybe now you want to lock in a price for the Bengals because if Mahomes goes out there in pre pregame warmups and he's running wind sprints of forty yards, and and all of a sudden people look at that. I don't, it doesn't get the three, I don't think, but they could bet the Chiefs to be a favorite. And in fact, I think what was a right angle sports released Chiefs yesterday and it moved yeah. the, the market a point and a half or so, which isn't much. But um, the, you know, they, that, that is a, a tricky part of this where there is uncertainty there. I think, you know, even though I think the teaser with the Bengals is probably fine, um, this is one where you do want to look uh, just, you know, towards, you know, alt markets, right? Like, it, honestly, like, an alt total on this Bengals Chiefs game is the way to bet Mahomes' health, right? It, you can go over 50 and a half, or you know, even if you want to get crazy, 53 and a half, and just get a huge, you know, payout there as opposed to betting it, you know, as is, because you know, that's really where you want to go. Or, you know, Chiefs minus two at a plus price, or Bengals minus six and a half at a plus price. Like that's what you want to do 
in, in order to lean in on the, um, you know, sort of fat tail of what could happen uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I actually think that's that's really good advice for the audience out there. And these types of games with uncertainty, you can definitely use that to your advantage and find some great prices in the alt markets. Uh, Eric, the other game, obviously the 49ers and the Eagles. I think similar stories with, um, you know, depending on which side you like in the game, I've kind of heard the same argument, which is weird, which is about like, oh, Brock Purdy really hasn't played anyone. And then he finally did. And he didn't look good against the Cowboys. And then it's, oh, the Eagles haven't played anyone all season for the most part. And like, I don't know, I just kind of throw all that stuff out now. It's not like we can't you can account for the strength of schedule when you make numbers, right? Um, and you, you can only play which teams are put in front of you as well. But uh, 49ers-Eagles is interesting for me. Uh, we've seen the market kind of tick towards the Eagles a little bit, minus 2.5, minus 115 now. I don't know that we'll get to 3. Maybe we do. Probably short-lived if we do. But is there any side here that stands out to you, Eagles and 49ers? Break this one down for us. Yeah, I do agree with the Eagles move a little bit um, because, you know, a lot of the it, – it's interesting. Some of the questions that we had about them were answered on on Saturday. Not all of them, though. I mean, and, and this gets this gets to maybe my, um, my second part, which is, do you get a feeling, Rob, that more than even the average, the team that scores first in this game is going to win? Like, I, I feel like when you look at, the, you know, the 538 article that Hermsmeyer wrote, you know, a couple months ago about Shanahan and how good he is on script, right – versus or just like not even relative to the rest of the league but also relative to himself off script we 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 did that show with the eagles washington when they first lost the game and we we're saying this is the first time they've trailed in a second half of a game so i think like the uncertainty isn't necessarily in that they haven't played anybody good like as you said we can ac account for that play for play it's the uncertainty in game scripts that they've had to go with right like we have not seen that many games where the eagles have had to throw the football from behind and we saw the Washington one and he didn't look particularly good. We saw the Indy one where they scored a game winning touchdown drive against Indianapolis without the benefit of a completed pass down the stretch. And so I think that that's really the, the side, the leak on the Eagle side, which I don't like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to buy in a little bit more to Jalen hurts than that narrative. But I think that that's the one, if you're a Niners fan, you're like, look, we're really good on script. We get a touchdown early in the game. And much like the Dallas game, it's going to be hard for them to sort of play from behind, you know, for, for much of the game. I think on the other side, you're just looking at the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles, unlike most of the teams, the 49ers have faced this year, just really don't have that many weaknesses defensively. And the weaknesses that they had defensively, namely how, how stout they are up front against the run, will probably entice Kyle Shanahan to run the football more than he probably should, which is, is a trap that he falls into in some of these games more frequently than he should. Well, that, that's sort of been, when you look at when the Eagles have struggled this year, it's been teams that have ran it down their throat. So I could see Shanahan trying to replicate that. But the one thing that I have concern about for San Francisco is they have targeted in-breaking routes at the highest rate in the NFL for each of the past five seasons. So PFF classifies this as in-routes, right? And they run, they, they run that route 46% of the time this year. And when you look at Philadelphia, they do not allow explosive gains on these in-routes. The third lowest rate in the NFL. They have allowed less yak per reception on in-breaking routes. Um, like, there, no team has allowed less in the entire league. And I think that's the quality of the Eagles' corners, their ability to tackle. And when we look at what's been very successful for the 49ers and Brock Purdy, it's getting the ball into the hands of these playmakers and kind of letting them do their thing. Um, 
I don't know that this is the defense that work, works on. And on top of that, you got another team that just pressures the quarterback like Dallas did last week. I, I could, you know, I like the Eagles in this game, but I'm also very interested in like some alternate team total unders on San Francisco. I think that this could be an especially challenging game for them to score points, especially if they get into that, okay, we're going to try to run it down their throats on first and second down and then rely on on Purdy on third down in like this road environment. I mean, he's had one, a game at Seattle this year, don't get me wrong, but it's just, it, it hits different than playing in Santa Clara in front of your own fans, right? Well, not only that, but you've seen some cracks in Purdy's armor the last couple of weeks where you know, what you really need. And the, the benefit that Jimmy Garoppolo gave to the Niners was he hit his back foot and he threw the ball. And and sometimes he threw it right to the linebacker, but he he called what he he said what was on the prompter, right? And so I think with Purdy, you've seen, you know, let, let's say if you bet Niners money line a first half against Seattle two weeks ago, and he's driving down there and you get into field goal, you get into touchdown range, and he he bails out of the pocket left three straight plays and doesn't get you anything, and you're settling for a long field goal. Uh, you remember that one. But then there was a couple yeah. plays like that last week where, you know, he, I think, is trusting – I mean, he's finding out that the NFL is not the Big 12 in terms of athleticism relative to him as a quarterback. And the Eagles, I mean, you look at – not only are they really good rushing the passer, but they're deep, right? They don't – these guys aren't worn out. They got Reddick, Sweat, uh, you know, Quinn, guys like that that are all, you know, ready to come after him. And they're going to be pretty, I think, well-rested given the fact that this game is going to have a below-average number of plays relative to other other games. So that, that I think, is going to all work in Purdy's disadvantage. Um, I, I agree. I mean, and the other part is there's a ball-hawking element to what James Bradbury and Darius Slay do that I think will hurt a rookie quarterback more than a veteran of similar, uh, of similar power rating. We see that in the chat right now. Brock Purdy over two and a half interceptions, 15 to one. I don't hate that look. I honestly don't hate that look at that price, especially in a game where I think that they'll be trailing. I think that's I think that's a valuable bet, personally. Uh, Eric, all the best. Enjoy Arrowhead. Dress warm. As a guy in Canada who's been to a couple MLS Cups uh, in, the, in the winter, double socks, yep. winter boots, like don't, don't mess around with the cold, my man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. You want to... I mean, there's there's a double whammy. If your team loses and you're miserable weather wise, then that's that's awful. So uh, you can't account for the first, but you can certainly control the you you can certainly control the second. Yeah, definitely a, a couple pops before the game as well to get you warmed up a little bit will help. Uh, it's Eric Eager. Check out his stuff with Sumer Sports. All the best, Eric. Enjoy the game on the weekend. Thanks for having me. Take care. Eric Eager, Sumer Sports. Check out his stuff. From one better to another, maybe in Somer. It's okay, Suma. You don't have to close a water bottle quickly. If you're thirsty, <laughs> you can have a drink beforehand. How are things? Hey, Rob, thanks for having me on. Yeah, things are going very cold over here. I don't know how the weather in Toronto is right now. It sucks, man. Uh, it's winter. Today's the hashtag winter storm, um, where we're going to get buried with some snow, which honestly, snow I could live with. I just hate the cold, but... Yeah, yeah it, it ain't it ain't too good. Um, what we saw in Buffalo last week for Buffalo Cincinnati uh, was very similar to the weather. It was in Toronto the same day, so it is what it is, man. I I, I know what I'm dealing with at this point. Um, we've had three we've had two guests on, and including myself, um, three people who voiced their opinion on Eagles 49ers so far this week. 
and three people like the Eagles in that game. Um, curious, your breakdown, Eagles and 49ers. Uh, I know you've been high on San Fran for a lot of this season, and especially you were probably quicker than most, I think, to recognize that Purdy was the real deal, whereas a lot of people were like, ah, let's pump the brakes, let's slow down a little bit. I know you liked a lot from what you saw from him in the first game or two, uh, but Eagles 49ers spread 2.5 right now. Uh, total is hovering uh, at 46.5. Thoughts on this game, Suma? Yes, uh, first of all, at, at this current number, I could only go Eagles. Um, I think when we look at this game from a very, let's call it simple handicap perspective, I think we are dealing with two teams that are top to bottom in the same tier. But I would say that the Eagles have a decent home field advantage here because I think that the link is going to, going to be absolutely nuts. Brock Purdy is playing his third ever NFL road game. And the Eagles are also, for the first time, I think since their Washington game, that it's the first time that they are healthy. Like, also, Avante Maddox is finally um, at practice today. So there's a chance that, it, that we are going to get a fully healthy Eagles team that was 13-1 when Jalen Hurts went down with some injuries, like Dallas Goda, John Davis, etc. Avante Maddox was out several weeks. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was out like five or six weeks with his kidney. And um, that Eagles team only lost one game to the Washington Commanders in a game where Jen Hurts averaged like 0.35 QB EPA per play. But there were like uh, a crazy drop from AJ Brown that slipped right through his hands into the hands of a Washington defender. Uh, Chris Watkins had this deep completion that he fumbled in the opposing red zone. Uh, I think there's Golad had that fumble where he got injured, so it was a very fluky game. And otherwise, we could potentially look at the Eagles as a perfect team when Jalen Hurts was under center this season. And yes, top to bottom, probably two two teams in the same tier, home field advantage for the Eagles, quarterback advantage for the Eagles, in my opinion. And I think we can make the case for both teams that both teams have played a very easy schedule overall. But when I put everything together, I would still rather give the Eagles and Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt than 49ers with Brock Purdy for as good as, as he has been um, in a very tough road game against probably the, the best team in the league. So at, at the current number, I could only go uh, to the Eagles uh, rooting for a great game. And I heard you talking to Eric about the middle of the field stuff. It will be very interesting, and you made a good point that the Eagles are very good at defending that stuff. I think by DVOA, they rank 7th or 6th on defense on passes over the middle of the field, and that's basically uh, Shanahan's bread and butter. I'm very curious to see how the Eagles are trying to defend that, and I think getting Avante Maddox back uh, along with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson will definitely be a boost for that defense against that kind of offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything there. I think what's scary for me in regards to this game is the 49ers are a great team uh, and they're very well coached. And I personally am struggling to see like the case for San Francisco in this game. And I feel like maybe I'm I'm missing something. Uh, I, I, I just think it's a bad matchup. I, I really think that, you know, the, the extent at which the 49ers defensive line won at the line of scrimmage against Dallas last week was probably one of the bigger factors in the entire game. 
And I don't think that they can do that against the Eagles O-line, which has been consistently good for the entirety of the year. Uh, I like the Eagles' ability to defend those in-breaking routes. I also look at the 49ers' numbers this year dealing with scrambling quarterbacks. They're 26th in success rate whenever they've got up against a quarterback who scrambles the ball. I I just think that there's so many things that favor the Eagles in this matchup. And all I keep coming back to is, okay, Philadelphia hasn't really beaten anybody. Should I be docking them for that? I I just, I'm struggling to make the case in my head for how San Fran goes. And I know it's the spread's just two and a half, right? This is what's what's kind of driving me up the wall. But I'm I'm I don't know what the case is for San Fran to win this game on the road is. Interesting part on the um, scrambling quarterback stuff. Um, the last time the Niners faced such a let's call it dual threat quarterback was Marcus Mariota in week six. He had quite a decent game and the game was a very bad game script for the Niners that they lost. And the other game was just in week one against Justin Fields in that crazy monsoon Wayne game at Chicago, which I will have a hard time counting towards making any proper projections going into the future. So overall, we just don't know how this 49ers front seven, despite being really good, will defend that kind of rushing game because that's always the tricky part with efficiency metrics for run defense. Because playing playing 11 on 11 versus 10 on 11 is a completely different matchup for the opposing offense. And defenses usually always look much worse defending the one when they play Lama Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, etc. Because it, it's really a whole different complexity for the defense to, to play in. Yeah, there is a good point here. There was a lot of defensive injuries for the Niners in that yes. game against Atlanta. This is one of the especially challenging things in handicapping the NFL. We haven't even really talked about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith against Charvarius Ward and Diamador Lenoir on the outside either, which I think is just like another advantage that the Eagles have here. You know, we saw Jared Stidham with a very good wide receivers in that game break break down the 49ers defense. So uh, obviously this is the NFL. I could definitely be wrong on this. San Fran is is a very well-built team with a very good coach, and they might come out with a game plan here that's able to mitigate a lot of the strengths. But I, I do see this as being a favorable matchup for the Eagles. In the other matchup, I see it being a favorable matchup for the Bengals, aside from the Patrick Mahomes stuff. I like the way that the Bengals match up with the Chiefs overall. But now you add in this uncertainty of Mahomes, and like they're... Patrick Mahomes being an underdog at home and nobody has any idea what the health of this guy is going to be. At least I don't. People I know in the community do not. Uh, right, right Angle Sports with the release on the Chiefs yesterday. Maybe there's some insight there into them thinking that Mahomes is going to be uh, a, a little bit better off than people are making on. Uh, but I don't know, Suma. It's, it's like with what we know about high ankle sprains playing one week after the fact, it's just incredibly challenging for me to make a case for Kansas City in this game. Um, I think there's just so much uncertainty going on here. Yes, absolutely agree. I think the best case scenario based on that injury and based on what we know at this point would probably be that we see a Patrick Mahomes performance that mirrors the one of the second half against the Jaguars, where he is mostly in the pocket, will have problems stemming his right foot, and will probably be completely immobile when it comes to scrambling and making plays out of the pocket. And I think, yes, 
if there's one quarterback who can still play the style of offense from the pocket and making um, off-platform throws, um, it's probably Patrick Mahomes. But then again, he's also the guy with the, I think, absolute most quarterback outside, uh, absolute most passes outside of the pocket. He's the guy that really can take advantage of having time and, and creating space and then trying to, 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 to throw to um, uh, open receivers. And if you take away that element of the offense, I think it's going to be a major problem because they are playing against a arguably top three defensive coordinator in the league right now who also has shown two decent performances with his defense against this offense already last year and this year. Mm-hmm. And what Big Lou also did was he sometimes calls just a three-man rush and that has given the Chiefs tremendous problems in, in both matchups, in, in both recent matchups. And now think about this, when they only rush three and drop eight guys in coverage, that would be a scenario in which you would like Patrick Mahomes to be mobile, scramble around, uh, wait for, for things to get opened and then throw the ball down the field. But if he cannot do this, I think it's going to be a, a big problem for this offense this Sunday. So, yeah, I agree that if he's really that immobile, despite playing, I think it's going to be a problem against that defense, no matter how we spin it. Um, there are reports that this high ankle sprain might not be as severe as we originally thought. But I wonder how bad the swelling is because when an MRI shows that the sprain is not as significant, there could still be a lot of swelling on the ankle, especially since he has played the the full second half. So there's no report on that um, yet. Um, I could imagine that there is some swelling and I think this could be the, the, the real issue when it comes to practicing and potentially getting ready for Sunday. But I guess we will find out later in the week. Yeah, there's an Andy Reid presser in 10 minutes, Kyle says, which honestly, I doubt we're going to find out anything there. Like, can you even take Andy Reid's word at face value if whatever he says? I don't think we're going to know anything that's publicly released by the coach. Um, I do have interest in getting your take on this comment, Suma. Any insight into the snow slowing the Bills' pass rush and making the Bengals' O-line look better than they are? Obviously, last week they were missing their left tackle, the right guard, the right tackle. Some people believe that because of the conditions on the field, Buffalo wasn't able to get home in that game. Curious if you think that that actually had an impact. Maybe just a little bit, but in general, I don't think so. Yes, snow usually favors the offense because it's easier to change directions. But if we are talking about um, um, battles in the trenches, I don't think that historically we have seen a significant, uh, a significant, let's say, above expectation advantage for offensive lines in general. I think that just based on the pregame expectations of the state of the Bengals offensive line, they had like a 99th percentile outcome in the sense that not even did they try to play around that offensive line in the passing game, but that offensive line also bullied the uh, Bills front seven in the run game on the ground. So, um, And I, I would really struggle to put that all on the snow. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on one outright before I let you go here because I was looking around through Betfred before we came on the show, and I think it's pertinent um, or applicable here because of the way that 
we both see the games this week, which is Philadelphia most likely to win and Cincinnati most likely to win. So if we look at the market on uh, the most playoff rushing yards this year, Christian McCaffrey is plus 125 in this market right now. He leads Joe Mixon by 10 rushing yards going into this week, and Joe Mixon is at plus 250. I feel like Mixon is pretty valuable bet. I mean, you, you'd really have to go down the list to Miles Sanders. He's 64 rushing yards behind. Uh, Pacheco is 61 rush uh, or 59 rushing yards behind. But I think there's a scenario here where the 49ers lose and McCaffrey's just dead for next week. Or you could also get the scenario where both the 49ers and Bengals win and Joe Mixon is still live next week as well. Um, I know not the great, like the Bengals aren't the best rushing team, but the likelihood, I think, of them playing two games versus the 49ers um, and no one really, no one else really being in the mix. Curious to get your thoughts on that in terms of the, the plus 250 price on Joe Mixon. Yeah, that's interesting because I also think that the 49ers, um, this, despite the media narrative about Christian McCaffrey, they are not really that efficient running the ball. I mean, what what's got them here, and I and I appreciate that Greg also mentioned it on the on the Fox broad, broadcast last Sunday. What's got them up to this point was really the passing game, and even this playoffs against the Seahawks and and the Dallas Cowboys, they have produced a negative one point seven uh, total EPA on the ground. So that rushing attack is not all that efficient, and. We are talking about them going on the road against the best team in the league and, and against a incredible offense. So there is also the chance that they are going into a negative game script where McCaffrey might not see as many um, um, rushes um, to 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 uh, start with. And if if they don't reach the Super Bowl, I mean, yes, I would guess that Joe Mixon's life. But I also think that Zanders is not the worst price on the planet because. There's absolutely a scenario which the Eagles run the ball very well on the Niners because of their um, dual threat run game and um, defense is not highly predictive. So I could see a scenario in which the 49ers, despite having so much quality on defense, will struggle to defend the run. And Miles Sanders, um, if they reach the, uh, the uh, Super Bowl, they might also have a decent uh, rushing matchup in the Super Bowl against the Bengals or the Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid said full in walkthrough this morning for Patrick Mahomes, and he will be a full participant in regular practice this afternoon. Okay, too. So we're probably going to have some tape, which is going to make this even more interesting now because everyone's going to be able to decipher uh, or try to decipher what they see from Mahomes in practice today. Uh, Joel asks a good question here. Since the Bengals won't need a spy on Mahomes, do they drop another player in coverage or do you think they blitz more frequently? Um, very interesting question. I think that Big Lou will time up a, a few blitzes, but I also think that they might use their three-man rush even more when they assume that, that Mahomes will not be able to, to scramble around as he usually does. Yeah, and Steven also brings up a good point about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, where he got banged up late in the third quarter. Elijah Mitchell got the ball more in the fourth quarter. I was on Hammer HQ with Hitman in the fourth quarter. He had Elijah Mitchell under on yardage. He started the fourth quarter with one rushing attempt for two yards and went over that total. Um, yeah, just a very, very 
uh, unfortunate uh, loss on that one on the rushing yardage. Suma, uh, appreciate it. Everyone can follow him on Twitter at Suma810, S-U-U-M-A. Enjoy the games this weekend, my friend. Uh, one shout, shout out to Stephen Robinson, who uh, called me a savant for talking American football in German accent. Yes. In the comments. Yes, he also compared you to Vegas Dave and then said, no, not really. So. <laughs> All right, Suma. All right, Rob. Have a good day. Take care. It's Fabian Sommer, one of the best at breaking down the NFL, if not the best. Um, would pretty much put his analysis up against any single person on the planet, breaking down the NFL. A reminder to everyone, live again here on Forward Progress on Friday at noon Eastern time. That'll be more focused on props. We'll obviously cover the line movement as it happens over the course of the week, but it will be pro predominantly a props betting show. Hitman will join us. John Legeza will join us. And Joey Kanish will join us. I did ask my producer not to book Joey Kanish, but here we are, and he is booked for the Friday show. So that'll be a good one. Make sure you tune in. And again, the best way to tune in, subscribe to the Forward Progress channel here on the Hammer Betting Network. It's just really easy. You get a notification when we go live. And honestly, if you don't want to get a notification, you can turn that off as well. So there's no excuse not to subscribe. And definitely like the content if you did enjoy the show today. This is also available in podcast form, just so people know. If you're not into watching on YouTube, you want to listen on the drive home or whatever, we do get this up in podcast form on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts as well. So you can tune in there. This has been Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Make sure you do check out Betfred Sportsbook if you're in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Ohio, or Pennsylvania. I'm back on Friday. Peace out, everyone.